0: How do we get here? The topic three months ago it started is that many times things don't happen just by itself. There are no such thing as coincidence or accident in the mind of God, in the providence of God. Everything happens for a reason in God's eyes. And even for our lives, things just don't happen by itself. Something may have happened in the past. Something may have happened in our family of origin. Something may happen in our experience, in our relationship, in our marriage that caused us to be where we are today. So in order for us to move forward, in order for us to honour God and glorify God, we need to know how did we get here? How did our marriage get to this place or how did our family get to this place and for those here who have been separated or divorced, how did it happen? How did I get here? Did we expect this to happen in our lives? And so even as we look to the Word of God because we always believe in the power, in the truth, in the unchanging principle of God's word. God's word never changes. His promise never changes. His promise is always yes and amen. Governments change. People change. Systems change. Laws change. We change, but God never changes. And so, even as before we end off this year, we want to get things right. Now, I'm speaking from someone who has been married for 32 years. And uh, this, this month itself, I'll be celebrating my anniversary again with the same woman, praise God, for 32 years. And uh, I can tell you that... Uh, for us, all of us, we all go to the H&M store. You all know about the H&M store? I think the ladies will know more, huh? H&M store. But for me, there's another H&M store that we all go to through life. It is called hit and miss store. That means in life, in marriage, relationship, we hit sometimes, but we miss most of the time. That means we miss the mark. We miss what God has for us. And most of the time, when, when, when we hit, well, we say, God, thank you, Lord. I did something right for once. But for us, most of the time, it is always missed. And that is the story of my life. Before coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, and even in our young Christian day, I tell you, I miss a lot. If I I were a sportsman, I would be kicked out of the team. You know, I cannot represent even the village team or GT team or any team because I miss so much. But I praise God. I thank God. That because of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of my spouse that God has given me, she's not perfect. Uh, Just like you and I, we are all not perfect. But it is truly the grace of God that has helped her, helped us to be where we are today. So today is a reflection even as we end the year. How did your marriage end, end up like that today? How did... Your life end up like that. For some of you who have been going through relationship after relationship, you are thinking about marriage and somehow it did not work out. Perhaps today is time to go back to the marriage manual, the relationship manual. Do you know that the message is not just for married couples? It's not just for those who are single again or those who have uh, not made it in marriage. It's for singles It is for everyone because it speaks about relationship. The Christian life, God's emphasis is always about relationship. How we relate to God and how we relate to one another. When you and I stand before God one day, which we all do, He's not going to ask us which church you went to. How much did you tithe in your offering? Which Country, did you go for missions? How, may, how did your children do in their studies? Which university did they go? No, that is the question that is not the least important. The most important thing is, how did you treat your wife? How did you treat your husband? How did you treat your mother, father? How did you treat your brother and sister? How did you treat your leader, your cell leader, your pastors and pastors? How did you treat your sheep? So all of us, when we stand before God, that is the main crucial question. And that's why the two greatest commandment is to love God and to love one another. And this speaks deeply, comprehensively about relationships. But one of the most important relationships as we are going to see today as I started off three months ago, Is the relationship of marriage that has a bearing on families, that has a bearing on community, that has a a bearing on our nation. We must get this right. If marriage is wrong, if marriage is failing, it fails the family. What are we passing on to the next generation? That you should be afraid of marriage, that marriage doesn't work for everybody, that you need help to get married. And so, nowadays, the trend nowadays is for people to get married later and later. Perhaps they are fearful of commitment. They are fearful of sharing life with another person. Perhaps they have seen in their own family. They have seen in marriages. They have seen in movies. How marriage is so difficult, so tough. But let me get it out there right now from the beginning. Marriage is hard work. Every good relationship is hard work. It takes both sides, both parties to make a relationship right. It takes both couple, husband and wife to make a relationship healthy, lasting, loving and holy before God. Today I'm going just to use this as my base scripture from Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33. The last time I spoke, I used a longer scripture, but from this same part. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. And like what I mentioned just now, the two greatest marriage counselors, marriage advisors ever, is two single men. Jesus Christ and Paul the Apostle. And I think Peter was married. That's why he asked Jesus to pray for his mother-in-law. But Paul was not. Jesus was not. But like what I mentioned, Jesus is yet still a bridegroom, not to individuals, but a bridegroom to you and I. We are the bride of Christ. And so it will be very important for us to take note, to begin to compare our relationships, any relationships with what God is commanding us to do. Very easily, we will know something is wrong with our relationship. Something is not right. We are, are we having a, a, a relationship that does not honour God by the fact that we just bring it, align it ourselves with the Word of God? There are two key words here in this scripture uh, talking about the husband's needs and the wife's need: Love and respect. This too goes hand in hand. For love and respect must be in every marriage. Love and respect must also be in every relationship, not just marriage. And that's why when the Word of God commands us to love husbands, love your wives. It is God's best for us. It is God's best for husbands, to love your wives. If you want to know what is the best gift you can give to your wife, she needs your love. She not only needs God's love, she also needs a husband's love. Wives, if you know what does it mean to submit early on in the Scripture, Paul says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. The most tangible way, the most practical way for a wife to submit to the husband is to show him that respect that God expects every wife to give to the husband. To give to the perfect husband? No. To give to the imperfect husband. To love a perfect wife? No. To love an imperfect wife. And this is the gospel. Do you know? The Word of God, the gospel explains the marriage, helps us to understand marriage so well. And marriage also helps us to understand the gospel so well. This is the gospel, that Jesus Christ loves you and I, not because we are lovely, but love us so that we will be lovely. To make us lovely. The Word of God says when we were sinners, Jesus gave His life. So it applies also in marriage. When husbands are called to love your wife, it's not because she is lovely all the time. we just saying that God is good all the time. That is true. You and I, we are not good all the time. Husbands are not good all the time. Wives are not good all the time. Children are not good all the time. Parents are not good all the time. That is the reality. But what it commands is that when we love someone, it's not because of their value. It's because of how God sees them and how God wants us to see them. So when you and I love our spouse, we love them not because they are lovely, Everything is right and perfect, beautiful. No, we love them because God has given us the task of making them lovely. In marriage, that is the power. When two persons come together, we make each other lovely. So, very important truth that we are going to deal with. The last time I gave you three important principles. And you know there are seven And all this seven is already mentioned in the marriage manual, which is your Bible that you have before you. And all this has been confirmed even by circular research. Circular researchers have to do their own research to just prove that the Bible has been right all along. That God is the one who instituted marriage. It is marriage is not man's idea. Marriage is God's idea. And so, we need to go back to the maker, the creator. So, if your car, is something wrong with your car, you go back to the maker. If the Honda here, if your car is Honda, something is wrong with Honda, you go back to Honda. So, if we know, want to know what's wrong in our marriage or what's right in our marriage, sometimes we, we, have, we, we also don't know what we did right in marriage. But we just survive. So the Word of God is there. The the marriage manual is in our hands, already in our hands. And scientists, psychologists, sociologists, marriage counsellors have to do a research just to prove that the Bible has been right all along. And we have an advantage over all those who are not believers yet because we have God's guidelines. We have God's principles. We have God's antidote against divorce, antidote against uh, breaking up marriages, antidote against uh, mishandling conflicts and problems in marriage. And so there was a research done with 1,500 people. Those who are married and those who are divorced. And the research asked them many questions. How did your marriage survive? What good did you do that caused your marriage to to survive? And then they they answer those who have been separated and divorced, what happened to your marriage? What What do you think you did wrong or your spouse did wrong? Or what do you think you could have done better? Do you know they came back and they collated all the research from people who are professionals, people who are very qualified, people even from Christians, everywhere, but it's a combined. And the amazing thing is that the research actually just verifies the Bible. They spend so much money, interview so many people, do all the computing and says actually the answer is already in the Bible. The solution is already in the Bible. The antidote is already in the Bible. So the Bible considers marriage as a covenant. What is a covenant? A covenant is a binding, lifelong covenant. Holy commitment to another person. That is the same covenant that God has with His people. In Old Testament, in Israel, the Israelites, and in New Testament, the church. That is a covenant. That means there is my part to do and there is her part to do. There is God's part to do and there is our part to do. That is covenant. It is not meant to be broken, it is meant. To bring out the best. To enrich those people in the covenant. I will just quickly go through the tree that I went through three months ago. Just in case you were not here or just in case you forgot. But I just just skimmed through very fast. The first thing is we have to be realistic in our expectation about relationship and romance. We need to break away from the happily ever after mindset in Disney movies, you know, that, and they live happily ever after. It doesn't happen like that. Because there's a lot of hard work after that. They don't show what happened to Snow White and Prince Charming. They don't show what happened to uh, the Beauty and the Beast after that. They will have many quarrels. They will have in-law problems. They will have health problems. They will have hair problem, bad hair day problems. They will have money problems. That one Walt Disney never showed. But you and I will know that is not the real life. The real life is what we are experiencing now. And one of the key things we have to understand, the Bible says, what is the problem? Why is there always conflict in a marriage? Conflict between family members it comes back to something the Bible identifies as the core, something in each one of us, our sinful self-centeredness. Deep within the core of us, because of our sin nature, we are all self-centered. We are all selfish. We are all sinful before God. And that is the reason why when we come into any relationship, especially marriage, Brothers and sisters, you are not marrying a finished product. There is no finished product yet. And some people go in the wrong with the wrong perception, the wrong expectation. Wow, I found my Eve. I found my Adam. Perfect. Leng Chai. Leng Lui. Beautiful. Like the Korean one, perfect. Everything perfect. All plastic surgery one. What? Well, Seem to be no, flo- no flocks. Because they want cotton you know. Cotting small screen. When you marry, everything becomes big screen. Everything will be big screen when you get married. Wow, like that one are you? Wow, your father, mother, like that one. Ah. Why wow, you sleep so loud, one ah. why wow, you make so much noise, one, ah. Everything will be big screen when you get married And then you, you realize that, hey, my beautiful perfect wife my handsome strong husband ayo it's not finished product yet and that is why god has brought you all together to help god help you make you a finished product a beautiful product and that's why i started in saying is that the same gospel message is that when you love your wife you love your husband you are not just loving the present husband and the present wife. You are also going to expect that she's going to be even more beautiful. He's going to be even more amazing in the future. We are going to believe that God is going to use you to help God to make your spouse a beautiful, perfect character. That is the gospel. Jesus didn't love us because we are lovely. But Jesus loved us to make us lovely. So you and I, we have to be practical down to earth. And say that when you and I marry, marry your spouse, of course we don't marry each other's spouse, we marry our own spouse. Be prepared. Bersedia, bersiap. You are not marrying the one who is at the end of the assembly line finish ready with a chop there, ISO. But she still, he still got a long way to go. And also the reality that we are conducting our marriage in a fallen, broken world, selfish. Can you imagine two imperfect persons coming together Do you get a perfect marriage? No. Two sinful persons trying to know each other. Perfect marriage? No. But do you know that the marriage has the potential to help us change and transform and mature and grow the fastest? No other relationship can shake us up. No other relationship can cause us to reconsider Ourself. Many times, all of us have a very high view of ourselves until we get married. Then we get feedbacks from our spouses and say, wow. Because we all have our blind spot, we don't see our weakness, we don't see our faults, we don't see our sins in our life. And the person who is closest to us, like in the big screen, he can see everything. Do you know the thing about sin is that sin is not only seen. Your spouse can not only see your sins. Your spouse will feel your sins. You can feel the anger of your spouse, the jealousy of your spouse, the self-centeredness of your spouse, and all these things you can experience firsthand. Whereas the others cannot. The others many times will see the good side, because. We know how to always show the good side in front of other people in public. Sometimes in church or so, we show our good side. We show our hallelujah face. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. All is well. How are you? All is good. But they don't know what's happening in the house. They sometimes, husband and wife don't talk. Parents, siblings don't talk to each other. Sometimes there are cases where we see spouses even sleeping in separate rooms. And so this is the reality that we have to come down to earth. Marriage is only meant for earth. There is no marriage in heaven. Jesus stole it. There's, there's nothing. There's not going to be any wedding. There's not going to be any marriage in heaven. Marriage is for here, because in heaven there's only be one marriage, and it's marriage to our Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect bridegroom, the perfect spouse. He will never disappoint us. He will not fail us. He will not be late. He will not be lazy. But He will always be on time. He will meet all our perfect needs. Marriage is just meant for here. So the sooner we get into marriage with realistic expectation, the sooner we stop expecting things from our spouse that we should not expect. And the sooner we decide that I think we need to do, we need to work on our marriage. And one of the important things we have to learn, brothers and sisters, I've been married 30 over years, and I can tell you, marriage is hard work. Kaj,. I. There is no free meal in marriage one. The moment you close one eye in marriage, the marriage will say wrong, go one side already. Go one side and knock something else already. You have to keep both your eyes on the marriage. That's why marriage is hard work. But marriage is the greatest platform for us to be more like Christ and to help our spouse be more like Christ. So if you don't want hard work, you don't like hard work, Don't get married. For singles here, I'm not scaring you. But let me tell you, it's hard work. But like anything that you put your effort in, there is a reward. I have received so much blessing, benefits, reward from my relationship with my wife. The second thing that I spoke, about is respect is the most important factor in relationship, not communication. You know, when they did a study, those who are married 10 years and below, all said communication is important. Communication, talk, 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 must talk, talk. You talk, I talk. You share, I share. But then after talk, 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 still got a problem, still fight because you talk too much. And some don't want to talk. So got a problem. But then we, in the interview, those 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I tell you there's quite a number of here who are married for 40 or 50 years. And they say that, no, not communication, no, most important. Respect is the most important. What is respect? The Bible says respect is to honour the person that God has blessed you with. Not to agree. You don't have to agree with the person all the time. Even you have differences with the partner you must still honour, respect. Never, never disrespect or dishonour your spouse. The respect is not just, not just for wives to husband. It's also for husbands to wife. Because in another passage, God commands the husband, honour your wife. Otherwise, your prayer will not be answered. So husbands, men, if sometimes your prayer is still not being answered, you got to do a checklist. Am I treating my wife right? Am I treating my family right? That's why my prayer never goes past the ceiling. Pam! Come back again. Bounce back again. Because the Word of God says, husbands, especially the warning for husbands, you must treat her as a person of a weaker vessel in terms of physical, but who is more vulnerable, more sensitive. I told you that uh, in my marriage, 30 years, I've gone to the HMN store many times. Very few times hitting the mark, most of the time missing the mark. I have Mistreated, I've ill-treated, verbally abused my wife, put her down many times. But you know there's one thing that she has taught me about the word of God. She has never at any time disrespected me. She has always maintained her respect for me as her husband and a father. Even though I don't behave like a father, a husband, she still never complain to other people. Never tell other people how terrible her husband is. You know, we know that the women's network is very high speed. one. All they need to do is just tell one more woman and it can reach all over the world. Faster than the Facebook, faster than all social media. But she never did anything like that. She respected me. Never once did she complain even to her parents about me, how I didn't treat her right. And today, I stand and I salute her because she had faith in me. She kept faith in me that one day God is going to change me. And true enough, I received a lot many, many years down the road and God changed and transformed me. But she never gave up. And you see, when we honour God in His word, when we respect our spouse, you can reap the fruits down the line. Not immediately. That is the thing about in agriculture. You don't plant a durian seed and get durian tomorrow. Same thing in marriage. You have to sow you have to water, you have to plant and see and expect God at the right time to bring the fruits. And this is something that I've learned from my wife. How to respect another person even though the person mistreats you. The person is not nice to you. The person mess up One of the most damaging things which I see in counselling couples, you can see when they walk into the counselling room and a spouse begin to show such disrespect for their husband, the other person is hopeless, cannot do anything, lazy. We know that that is a sign, a telltale sign The marriage is in deep trouble. Once you lose respect for another person, especially your spouse, It's very hard to get back to save that marriage. So God is always right. Even though we don't have to agree, the person don't have to be perfect, the person don't have to get it all right before you respect. You respect first. And then God will reward you. God will honour you. I'm sure that y'all can also identify with me what has happened in my life. What has happened to your life? 1 Peter 3 verse 1 verse 2 says, Likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be warned without a word by the conduct of their wives, pure and respectful conduct of their wives. When they see your pure and respectful conduct, do you know that Wives, you have a secret weapon to win the heart even of a pre-believing husband. Or husbands, if you have a pre-believing wife, you can do the same thing. Respect, honour your spouse. God will hear your prayer for the salvation of your spouse. God will hear the prayer for the healing of the marriage. And we have seen this happening many times. They've happened in my own marriage because of the respect that my wife has for me in honouring God. The third thing which I covered three months ago is a healthy relationship it means two healthy individuals. The problem, the problem with many, many couples is they go into marriage thinking that their spouse is going to fix them. I'm going to marry so that I will be loved. I'm going to be married so I have enough money. I'm going to marry so that I will feel secure. I'm an angry person. Maybe when I get married, I'll be a happy person. So we load all these things on our spouse before we get married. Wow, stressful. Can you imagine the spouse? ah? Not knowing all this hidden expectation of the whether it's a wife or husband. You're going to complete me, you know. I'm missing my love for my father and mother. You're going to give me your love and mother. And that's why sometimes wives treat their husbands like their like like her father. Which is not, you're not marrying your father. You're marrying another man to be your husband. And so we have all this unhealthy carryover from our own family, thinking that our marriage, our spouse is going to make us better, to fix us. And the most, the, 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 the greatest myth is, my spouse is going to make me happy. Let me bring us back to reality. Spouses are not supposed to make each other happy. Even God is not here to make us happy. If If all of us have this thinking, we have to repent before God. God is here to make us holy, not happy. Because happiness is very fleeting. Happiness comes and goes, depends on circumstances. But God is here to make us a holy people. Your spouse's job is not to provide you with daily dose of happiness. Happiness is you yourself finding the things that makes you happy. Doing things for God and for people that makes you happy. Not expecting your spouse to make you happy. And this is one of the most uh, deceiving lie that many, many people go into marriage. I don't want to be in a marriage anymore. Why? Why? My husband doesn't make me happy. Doesn't please me. I don't marry to my wife anymore. My wife is not making me happy. If we go into marriage with that kind of expectation, unrealistic expectation, and something which is not of God, but something which is of the world, the world is always looking to make themselves happy, to please themselves. And there's a word for it, narcissistic. Narcissistic is always, what is it for me? What can I benefit from it? How do I become happy? But marriage is not like that. Marriage, if we give it a chance, if we hang on there, it's going to make us holy. It's going to build us our character. And the only person that can fulfill all our whole, full, deep needs is only Jesus. So don't look for something that your spouse cannot give you. And that is another issue. We go into marriage expecting our spouse to fulfill all my needs. But that's not what the Word of God says. God says, My God shall supply all my needs. And sometimes we change the scripture. It says, My spouse shall supply all my needs. Which is unbiblical, unscriptural. Yes, spouses can supply certain things, can complement you, can meet certain needs, but not every need. And so when we go into marriage with a biblical perspective, That only Jesus can fulfill all my needs. But thank God He has given me a spouse as a partner, as a companion, as a helper in life to help me be my future glory self. I praise God. And so we don't put any of this wrong expectation on our spouses and our marriage will be better. So some of us may have some issues now in our marriage. Don't wait until it's too late. And that's the problem in counselling, which we always experience. When people are almost at the last station, before the train stops, they say, we need help. But many times when they have reached the last station, they already made up their mind. I give up already. I just go for the sake of, I've gone for counselling. We must go at the beginning stage when we feel that something is not right and we cannot correct it ourselves. You have leaders, you have pastors, we have a counselling ministry. Same with singles. Don't go into marriage thinking that you are going, your spouse is going to solve all your problems. Solve your problem now before you get married. May I challenge the singles who are considering getting married and who are going to get married have a frank talk, honest discussion with your future spouse. And says, do you have issues with your own family, with abuse, with anger, with unforgiveness? Encourage your, your future spouse, deal with it before we get married. Because otherwise, it will carry forward into our marriage. You know marriage is already hard enough. And worse still, you add on to your own other family's problem to this marriage. you. I tell you, you are going to be overladen, just like the lorry. They put too much durian, you will be one-sided. Eventually, it will turn because you are loading it unnecessary. And so, seek help. Go for counselling for those who are going to get married and they sense that they have issues, unresolved issues. Resolve it now. Don't burden your spouse with your other problems. Now let me start with what I'm going to share today. <laughs> Very quickly, I'll just go through four important things that even the research confirms. Is That you and your partner will grow and change in u- an unexpected ways, embrace it. Wow, God has created marriage for us to grow up, to mature, God doesn't want us to grow old. All of us will grow old naturally. But more importantly, God wants us to grow up spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, in every area. And God has given us marriage to help us to grow and to change and be transformed. I tell you, I'm not the same person that I was when I first married my wife. I have changed. My wife has changed. You can ask my son. I think my son is here. She never signed up for me to go to full-time to be a pastor. She married a banker. And she thought that she's going to have a nice house. She's going to be stable. We are stable in Penang. She's going to stay near her family and they're going to live happily ever after. But then suddenly, I told my wife, I think God is calling me. But praise God, God also spoke to her. Thank God, God spoke to both partners. But she could have said, yo, I never signed up for this. Huh? I think I need to take the look for the exit because I didn't marry a pastor. I married a banker. And the same thing, when I answered the call of God to come to, to study, come to PJ, all the while I've been the main provider for the family. And suddenly this, the, the role was switched. She became the provider. Well, for men, uh, ego, no. You cannot take it, beta, no. But my wife was gracious, and I accepted it as part of the change that God is bringing in our lives. And when we embrace the change that God is ordering in our lives, you see that we will become a better man, a better woman, a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better wife, a mother. We cannot stop change from happening. Change is going to come. Somebody says that because we change, the Lord is changing us. We have to love our spouses over and over again. And that is a beautiful thing. I think it was Louis Smith who says that I've married five times and all to the same woman. And that means the wife has changed so much in the life of their marriage, has become a different person. But in all these five persons, Louis says, I love all these women. We must embrace that person who is changing and not stop the person from changing because it is God's work in their life and God has used you also to change the person. Marriage is so powerful that we cannot be ourselves when we get married. Your wife your husband will tell you things that other people won't tell you. My wife told me, don't eat so loud. My wife told me, stand straight when you take photo. My wife said, when you're preaching, don't talk too much. Who can tell you that? Only your spouse can do that. He has the permission, he has the license, not to kill. But the license to help you to grow. Because by ourselves, nobody's going to tell us. Nobody dare tell us. But only your spouse has the capacity, is near enough to see you and to help you to grow, to grow, to be a better person. And in our Change and transformation that we go through. We have the scripture. Sadly, this scripture is only spoken once in a wedding. After that, it has never been spoken of. But do you know, husbands and wives, everyone in any relationship, we should put this on our mirror, on the fridge, every time you have problems, You says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. When you are so grim, when you are so frustrated, when you just want to leave, remember, this is what love is. Love is hanging on Love is holding on, not letting go. Especially when times are bad. So, in marriage, we help each other to become the future glory self through serving. When God calls wives to submit to your husbands, it is actually to serve your husband. When God calls the husband to love your wife, it is to serve your wife. It is not to dominate. It is not to control. It is not to boss over your wife. No, it is to serve with love. To respect with love your husband, to serve with love your wife. So, wives, don't be afraid of the word submission. Don't be afraid of the word respect. It is just serving. And the marriage is a matter of one spouse serving the other spouse. The next one is get good at fighting. We can't help it as long as we all have our sinful self-centeredness. As long we, as we are not the finished product, brothers and sisters, we all will fight in our marriage. And you know the Bible says, fight is good. But fight fair. That means the Bible is against violence. No physical violence, no abuse. No humiliation, no whether physical abuse or sexual abuse or verbal abuse. When we say fight fair, that means we fight the way that we'll honour God. Fighting means talking about the problem, confronting the problem and acknowledging we have a problem and not pushing it under the carpet. The people who have real problems in marriage is people say that we have no problem. We never fight. Oh, that's dangerous. When you don't fight, it means you are hiding the problem. You are running away from the problem. One day, the problem will run after you. One day, you'll become a volcano. One day, it will erupt. You cannot run for for long. There are four things we do when we fight. We must make sure that we don't attack the person, but we attack the problem. That is the most important thing. Don't make the problem, solving the problem, more important than the person that you love. Some people just want to solve the problem and hurt the partner. I just want to be right. I just want to solve the problem. I just want to solve the conflict. I don't care how I hurt you. That is dishonouring to God. That is unbiblical. That is the opposite of loving your spouse, respecting your spouse. There are four telltale signs that couples and those who are single must take note. We have to be very careful Let me just tell you about Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It all starts with criticizing your partner's character. What the person does, always criticizing. This is the beginning stage. We have to stop this. Once you start to criticize, it will lead on to something worse. Criticizing, always finding fault with your partner. You are always wrong. You are stupid. You are lazy. You are slow. You are trying to hurt me. Defensiveness is blame-shitting. Yeah, I did this because you did that. Again, not acknowledging that we are the problem. And if we allow criticizing and defenselessness to take over, to be a lifestyle, then it can only go downward and the downward sign is contempt. What is contempt? It is putting down your partner and making them feel inferior. There are four D's that comes with contempt. You are disgusted with your partner. You disrespect your partner. You dishonor your partner. You... Disregard your partner. That is the sign your marriage is in deep, deep trouble. Sometimes when you reach this stage, and we see in counseling, sometimes it only takes a a miracle to save the marriage. Because you are so disgusted with your partner, you don't say any good thing, you only speak bad things about him to everybody else. That is a sign that we all need to be careful. And what happens after that? The last sign will be stonewalling. You don't have to do anything. Whatever. Lah. You do what you're gonna do. I don't care. You live your life, I live my life. That is the spiral, downward spiral. Once you start with criticizing, being blame, always blaming your spouse and showing contempt. I tell you, I've seen these cases so much, so many times, and it's scary. Once a, a spouse comes into the room and says, the person is hopeless. No hope already, cannot change already. Then one question I will ask is, what about you? What is your role in this? How did you contribute to this problem? Many times, we always say that a problem is involving two persons, not just one person. And so if one spouse is always touching, is you, is you, is you, you, you are the problem, the problem will never be solved. So never insult or name call your partner. Do not bring previous fight arguments into the current ones. Once you have finished your resolve, move on. Never bring back what happened last month, two years ago. Sometimes, we can do that. You know, when you call the, the, the banking center, you know, in your phone, and many times it will come to you and say that, tell you, this conversation will be recorded at, for training purpose and improving purpose. So be careful when you talk to your wife. The same thing will happen because the wife will record the conversation for training purpose and for improvement purpose and the record you cannot delete Ready. So when husbands and wives deal with problems differently, wives, let's talk now. I'm ready to talk now. But most husband says, ayo, not ready yet. I need to think first. Because husband got many drawers right now. So they look into which drawer first. Where's the problem? What did I do wrong? Ayo, ayo, ayo. Then you start to be very prayerful. So husbands need time. So husbands, if we are not ready to talk, please don't talk. Because you say the wrong thing and this conversation will be recorded for training and Improvement. And he will come back to you and bite you. You said this. That's why husbands and wives need to understand the different gender. The wife brain and the husband's brain are different. Wives, left and right are interconnected. They can think very fast. They can make decisions. Their creativity and function very fast. Husbands, only one-sided only. They are a bit slower. Their RAM not so high. And so, wives must give permission and say, okay, you take time, but we come back to talk about it. And husbands, this is a time for you to make sure you get your act right. You begin to ask, what did I do wrong? Or what didn't I do? Did I forget her birthday or not? Did I forget the wedding anniversary? What did I forget? But once the, the, the confessing and the forgiveness is done, which we pray is done all the time, the most important key is don't bring it up again in our next fight. And that is what always happened. Remember you did this the last time. Remember you did this 10 years ago. And they, especially wives, they can remember the time, the date, the place, what shirt you are wearing or so. When you did that, for our husbands, yesterday what we ate, so we cannot remember. But why 10 years ago, uh, whoa, exactly where it happened, how it happened, well, we are in deep trouble. So this is very important for us to realize that it's important to attack the problem and not the person. Because the person is the most important. And you, you realize that there are problems that can never be solved. In a marriage. It's okay. Some people are so fixed, you must solve, must solve, must solve. I have a problem in my marriage, a major problem that was never solved. Until now. Thirty two years. Tigaplo dua town. It is a in law problem. has become an outlaw problem. Until today, it has never been solved. But we still carry on and say, it's, it's okay, I appreciate the differences. I have to respect that we think differently, we handle things differently. But this should not affect your marriage. So this will take the pressure of couples. You have to solve all problems. Of course, if the problems can be solved, it will be solved in time. But there are certain things that cannot be solved. It doesn't matter. You do right. You love. You respect. So the antidote for all marital conflicts is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, verse 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And then we have the scripture just now. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things God's definition of love is very high for us and if we apply God's antidote God's solution to any conflicts problems in our marriage I can tell you the problems either can be resolved or even it's not resolved the marriage is still strong the marriage is still healthy the marriage will be lasting even if we don't solve the problem, when we have that kind of love. It also says that love does not keep record of wrong. We don't keep notebooks. We don't keep record books of what you did. How many times you did that? You know, the greatest disability... In life, it's not physical, it's not mental, but it is a bad attitude. There are five things in life that we cannot blame others, that we have control, total control. It is, number one, is your attitude. You can choose your attitude to anything in life. Bad things happening, mishap happening, accident happening, sickness happening arguing with your spouse's happening you can choose your words number 2 you can choose your actions you can choose your manners how you want to be courteous you want to be gentle or kind and you can choose the effort how much effort you want to put into the five things that is within our control and we cannot say i cannot do it I cannot say it's out of my control because attitude is within our control words is within our control actions within our control manners we can control efforts is within our control But the thing is the greatest disability in life is a bad attitude and only the word of God only the holy spirit only love that is found in first Corinthians chapter 13 can begin to change that bad attitude in our life so that we will be more patient, we will be kind, we will be gentle with people. I will go through this very fast. We are finishing soon. Forgiveness has been spoken so often. We know about forgiveness. It's so powerful. Do you know today there's an epidemic of unforgiveness everywhere. It's not just among non-believers. Even in God's church, God's children, there is still a problem of unforgiveness. And that is something that saddens the heart of God. We have been forgiven by God for our great sin. And yet sometimes we can't even forgive our spouse, our family members, our church members of a small sin that have done in our lives. Every day when I get up, I pray the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, there is an antidote of how to be a good forgiver. When the Word, when Jesus tells us, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Before you go out of your house, you already ask God, Lord, today I could be offended, I could be hurt, I could be injured. Help me to be able to forgive. And the uh, Lord's prayer is meant to be prayed daily. So daily we need God's daily strength. Just as we need to eat every day, right? We also need to forgive every day. To forgive is to acknowledge the sin. We cannot hide the sin. Don't. don't Don't make small of the sin. Don't belittle the sin. A sin is a sin. If you have hurt your spouse, acknowledge that I've sinned you. I'm sorry. Then to to seek forgiveness, the other spouse will have to forgive deeply and completely once and for all and to confront truthfully. We need to tell the spouse, love, you've hurt me deeply today by what you said or what you did. This is where we need to ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry, I didn't know I hurt you so badly. What can I do to make sure I won't do it again? Teach me. So this is where husbands and wives grow and learn in your relationship to be a better person, to be a more sensitive person, a discerning person. Being offended is inevitable, but staying offended is our choice to sin. Brothers and sisters, we are going to be offended every day, whether it's from your spouse or outsiders, your work every day. But staying offended, keeping unforgiveness is your choice. And it's a sin against God. Jesus says if your if you do not forgive others their sin, your father in heaven will not forgive you of your sin. Unforgiveness to remain in your offenses is also a sin in God's eyes. A good marriage is comprised of two good forgivers. This one already mentioned ready? Okay, lastly, can I get the worship team to come up? This is the last point very importantly. We need to learn to ride the waves. We need endurance. Sometimes, we don't have a solution. Sometimes we just need to ride through, just like the waves. When you are in a boat and the wave seems to come upon you and you don't know what to do, you just have to hang on in the boat. Hang on to your partner and say, let's not give up. Things seem to be bad. We don't seem to be able to come to a solution. We seem to be arguing, but let's hold on to each other. It will, it will be over. Remember, problems will not last forever. The problem is sometimes people give up too soon. Thank God my wife didn't give up on me too soon. If not, I would not be where I am today. We would not be where we are today because she chose to respect me. She chose to Hang on the boat when the boat was at its roughest. She chose to ride through the way. Both of us, yes, we have an in-law problem. Yes, we have a lot of problems. But let's hang in there because Jesus is in the boat with us. Amen? We are going to sing this song today. We know that Jesus is the center of every relationship, every marriage. After this, I will just invite you whether you are single, whether you are single again, whether you are married, whether you are, your marriage is healthy or well, or whether you realize that we need God. We need to work hard in our marriage. Both sides, it needs both parties to work. Just as we are going to end the year, we have only a few more weeks before. 2018 ends let's make sure that we get it right let's make sure we just bring our families our marriage before God and say Lord if I've not been doing things right today I want to do it right before you if I've been too critical of my spouse if i am shown condemned and always blaming him or her I know that is not love that is not respect lord begin to do that work of helping us our marriage to be lasting to be healthy to be holy before you so that we will be a testimony do you know that your children are watching you your marriage your marriage is not just for you your marriage is for your children and your children's children some of them will be afraid of getting married if they see our marriage not working well some of them will repeat the same mistakes if we don't correct our mistakes first and honor god let's just sing this song in dedication before we pray for you I may I ask you to just stand up.